Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today. I really appreciate you. So grateful for all that you are and all that you do in the world. I really am here today to encourage you, to help you thrive in all that you do in your life and in your business. And hopefully along the way, we will learn some things together as we experience these cool and amazing talented guests that I have and maybe I even bring some exciting things to the table as well I always hope so I want to help you and see you thrive today I'm going to introduce a new concept um, maybe I should write the book on this because I think I just made this phrase up but I want to talk to you about the concept of win leadership. Now, winning, we understand the concept of that. And, uh, you know, we know a lot of people that will do anything to win. But I'm talking about a true win. I'm talking about something that benefits you. It benefits the world. It benefits your employees. All those kind of things. How do you lead yourself and your organization to a point where you are winning? And what does win mean? What is the definition for winning? And what would win leadership look like? Is it winning at all costs and costing you, costing others even more so, um, more than what the win is worth? Or is there a methodology where you can win, the people that you help can win, the people that work with you can win, where everything in the style of leadership and in the stuff that you do in this world is a win. It's not just a win-win, but it's a win-win-win-win-win-win-win all the way around. What is this thing called win leadership? Like I said, it's a phrase I just made up as I was looking at these guests and seeing what went together with them. And I thought, you know what? That's it. That's the thing. Let's talk today about creating a process of win leadership, about showing up in the world as win leaders. I love that concept. I hope you do too. I know that as you adopt it, you too will live as a thriving entrepreneur. I've got three amazing guests for you today, and we are ready to jump right into it. Here we go with our first guest. Join me in welcoming Michael Brooks. Hey, Michael, how are you doing today? Steve, fantastic. Best day of my life. Thanks for having me a part of the program. Happy to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So first off, tell us just a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world. Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm a dad and a husband. Um, got a couple of great kids. Um, little uh, background business-wise, been an entrepreneur uh, since I, I think as long as I can remember, since my first dog walking business, then candy selling business. But uh, right now I have authored uh, three books, two on, one on electronic payments, one on digital currency. And my most recent one is on remote work and how to win with freelancers, which ironically, um, electronic payments, digital currency and remote work are all topics that weave together really well. Um, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot more synergies there than one might think. Uh, I'm founder of a company called Golance. We're a freelance marketplace that competes with the um, the big major freelance marketplace that uh, I'm sure you've heard, Upwork, Fiverr. We think we're better, uh, but you know we've still got some long, long way to go. Um, been building that company for about eight years. Got a beautiful team, amazing people that I work with, and uh, I work to show them appreciation every day. Everything that I've learned entrepreneurialism-wise, um, I, I wrap in and I let culture uh, guide what we're doing more than anything else. So that's, in, in, a, in a nutshell, any podcast you hear me talking about, anywhere I'm going, I'm, I'm talking about business culture and, and how profoundly that affects teams and companies. So we won't even get into Fiverr because that's just a whole nother whatever word we want to use there for that. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but let's talk a little bit about comparisons with you and other places like Upworks and places like that. And um, what sets Golance um, apart? What's what's cool about them? Okay, so yeah, I mean, uh, I, uh, right. I, I I prefer to to talk about the differences um, between us and and Upwork. I used to not. I usually try to be as respectful to my competitors as possible. And I even refer to them as an industry counterparts, but I tell you what, Steve, I just kind of stopped. I don't, I don't think they're a great company. Um, I think they do a lot of business, but you know, as far as the way we're, I, I look at them as uh, fighting a constant war of attrition, um, mainly because of their policies. You know, they're in the business of saying, Hey, Steve, you're, you're really good at what you do. Let me go find someone that'll hire you that, wants to tap into your talent. And they actually do that pretty well. Um, in fact, I would say very well. And that's, that's one area where, you know, they should do that well. Uh, where they fail is they say, uh, we're also going to have our fees so egregious that we're going to need to put such controlling mechanisms in. In my opinion, it hinders your ability to service your client. And uh, it hinders the client's ability to get full value from your service in many cases. So we focus on, I mean, lower fees means I need to have less control, right? I don't need to um, hone over and look over your shoulder and make sure you keep all communications within our platform and you never talk to anybody and give them their phone number uh, because, uh, because I need to make sure that I own you. Um, I can create enough value uh, and the right culture that the, the clients and the freelancers we work with Say, okay, yeah, well, this platform is going to make a couple bucks. That's fine. That's palatable. Uh, they're building a relationship with me, uh, with us, and we're, or better yet, we're building a relationship with them where we're constantly bringing enough value so that they don't feel they're taken advantage of and they're looking for a chance to disintermediate, which means uh, you talk to your client, you leave, right? I don't think that needs to happen, um, but I think invariably it's, it's going to right? It's going to naturally occur. Uh, it's just, uh, do I have a system that encourages that, but controls it so like, so that, that, that you can't, or I make it difficult, or do I have a system where I, a business where, where our platform, our company structure, our fee structure, and, 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 and our service provides so much value consistent value that you go, you know what, I'm just going to be fair. And if that doesn't work for somebody, I really don't want to work with them. And if two people come to my platform and they link up and I've been able to create that great connection, and I'm constantly working to get them more value and help build a relationship and help build their business. And they still think it's okay to go, eh, well, we just, you know, we could save a couple of bucks, not huge chunks of money like our industry counterparts, but a couple of bucks, then I don't even know if I want to work with those people. So I go, okay, have a good day. I'm going to go focus on the relationships that are going to see the value because those are the ones that are going to be working with me forever. And I think uh, I believe a lot in business karma and that's how I get into the relationships and that's how we service and manage those relationships. So I think from more of a cultural, but very much a business mindset of transparency, value, trust uh, versus control, that's the difference. I don't know about you, Steve. I don't like to be controlled. I don't like the, the, the concept where I feel like I'm owned. You know, if, if I'm going to allow any entity the privilege of, of servicing my business, right? I'm going to expect that they put forth their absolute best efforts and they continuously put value in. And I know that our freelancers, our clients together, our customer expects that from us. And if we're not meeting that, then we don't deserve them regardless of how they met. That's how we're different. Mm. I love that approach so much. I have a friend of mine that uh, we won't name that other place again, but we said their name once. Well, maybe twice. Um, we will just refer to them as Schmuckwork. That's okay. Good, we'll good name for it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, because I have a friend of mine that 
um, you know, she was looking at a relatively higher end contract than would be typical for especially that place. Because uh, it feels like every time I go in there that it's just like a race to the bottom, like who can be just the cheapest on the block, you know, like I think they want to compete with Fiverr, you know what I mean? But that, anyway, that's me griping, um, <laughs> uh, you know, but the amount that she was going to have to pay to them, it, you know, made it so that it was a loss for her to be able to do the project because of the number of the hours that it was. Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate your approach to it. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, we're not in the business of putting people in a position where they can't work. And, and, and yeah, the, the, the race to the bottom, I, I, I'd rather work with somebody forever. Right. If I, if I, for lack of a better term, if I enroll a client and I convince them to work with me and then I've got a freelancer, I convince them to work with me. I go, guys, this, I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to help you guys both do business. I want to work with those people forever. And I want to put together an aligned, align our business so that they feel good about it, not controlled about it. And then also, you know, and I, I've seen articles and um, they're nasty. And I'm on Facebook all the time. I see these review farms. And it's like, how do you trust them? How do you trust these people? Right, and, and that can happen to anybody and that could happen to us. We, we, we don't run into that problem. We do it, we're a lot more hands-on. Uh, I imagine some, we're a lot smaller than schmuck work uh, for now, but uh, you know, at some point we, we, I'm sure we're gonna engage that, but they have these review farms to help people grow their reviews and it has nothing to do with the quality of work. It's just so that someone can get more false credibility and it has no bearing on their actual ability to perform a task. So our focus is a lot more cultural at, at this point um, and, and, and testing and like, whereas I look at schmuck work and some of these other guys is like the Tinder of work, we're, we're more the eHarmony focus. We're looking to make marriages. We really wanna find the, the, the right uh, the right talent for the right client. And we want to make a relationship that lasts with us forever um, in our business menage a trois, for lack of a better term. And mm. it's, uh, it's a little late in the day. So I, I tend to tend to look at more edgy. Uh, no worries. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the, the big, the only big question then that would be left for me is, um, how do you feel, how much people looking for people to hire do you have? Do you, do, do you have a pretty good in, in stream of people looking to hire people now that it's, you know, it's worth the while for the freelancer to use your platform because they'll find as much or even more work? Well, so there's there's pros and cons to being the small guy, right? The pro, the con is no, we're not as the the other guys. They have a lot of capital and they've gone and they've built for now. Uh, they, they've got they've got more jobs posted. Um, I have seen articles too, and I've gone in Schmuckworks forum, and you can see this too, where some of those posts were not real. Some of those job posts were not real, and people had to pay to post, which is despicable. It's despicable that people had to pay to post to to apply for a uh, to bid on a on a job that didn't exist, and the fact that they would allow it, I think, is gross. Um, but uh, the pro to having a smaller base is we get to know our freelancers. I mean, we have some freelancers on on our platform, and we've had them on on our podcast that have made over a million dollars with uh, on the on the life of uh, their business with us and you know we're really proud of that so when we get a better understanding of the people that are on our platform and that are working with us we can help get in there and we're a little bit more hands-on so um no there's not the heavy flow of influx of 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 opportunity i wish i could say there was but at this point it's not there yet um but i will say we get a lot more care and if somebody is going to, and I tell anybody this, right? Um, if, if you're looking at, well, one, you, you don't have to make as much on our platform to 
to, you know, or let me rephrase that, you don't have to charge as much to make the same as the other guys, right? So that's going to attract business and that will continue to attract business. But if I was out there looking for freelance work, I would go to GoLance, I would go to Schmuckwork, I would go to uh, Fiverr and all the rest. And I'd price myself accordingly. I would show up with a best profile everywhere. Um, Cause you don't know where, you don't know where you're gonna get to work. You don't know where you're gonna find that great client. And I would honor the terms of the platform, even Schmuckworks, which I think are egregious and disgusting um, personally, but that's my opinion. Regardless, if, if you're going out to, to, to sell your services, uh, sign up on all of them, get to know all of them. And more importantly, let us get to know you so that we can find the type of work that's right for you. Because yeah, it may be a lot less of job flows, but there's also a lot less uh, talent. And the more we can qualify, the more we can get our hands dirty and the more we can uh, interact with the people we work with, the better, the better solutions we can come up with, the better relationships we can help be a part of. And uh, that's today. Who knows, Steve? Who knows where we're going to be 12 months from now? I think a lot farther along, and this conversation is going to look a lot different, and they're going to be calling us schmucks. <laughs> Not our community, but, the, uh, but our competitors. Actually, they, they probably are already calling us schmucks. We've, 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 we've had some nasty fights with them in the past, and uh, we're we're not afraid to fight with them again. So if a freelancer came to your site, they sign up, um, you know, and let's just go so far as to say they feel like they really wish you had more work. Do you have some things in place that you could do to help them get the quote unquote more work that they need in order to have it be worth it being on your site? Yeah, so we're constantly going through our site and posting jobs through our SMB service. So we do have like uh, Schmuckwork has their enterprise. We have services where we go work with small to mid-sized businesses that want uh, that want some either talent recruitment, which is what we do, or um, or actually go out and develop. We 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 have some really monster solid teams that. Once we identify and we find someone that we're working with, um, we're, we're bringing them work over and over and over again. And not just through an algorithm, not just through, uh, hey, go apply for this job, but we actually get to know the people. And uh, we know our clients very well as well. So our, our SMB, small and mid-sized business services team is growing and we do more of the recruiting ourselves. So, you know, it comes down to how, how are you showing up? right? If, if, if somebody comes to our platform and they put their best foot forward and they fill out a full and complete profile and they, they put on their best, uh, their best digital reputation face, um, we're, we're, we're going to do our best to, to help find them the type of work that they're looking for at the right price. And uh, that's, that's, that's where we stand now. I love that so much. So um, give us the information. Let us know exactly how to go to GoLance and get signed up and, and become either a vendor or, or a freelancer. Sure. Uh, go to GoLance.com, www.golance.com and uh, simply fill out a profile. If you're a client, it'll ask you. Uh, if you're looking to hire, if you're looking to get hired, it'll ask you. Go through the process. And if you'd like to, uh, my name's Michael Brooks, PR at Twitter. PR as in Puerto Rico, because that's where I live. And um, you know, hit me up directly. Let, let me know you're looking for some work. Let me know what, what uh, type of stuff you, you can do best. And uh, I promise we'll, we'll put our best foot forward and we'll, we'll put our team on it. We'll, We'll do what we can to get you the right work or find you the right people. Well, Michael, um, I really, really appreciate what you're doing in the industry. Your whole approach to it is just so important and so necessary. Thanks so much for being who you are, doing what you do, and for making the difference that this industry most definitely needs. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks again for having me as part of the program. I appreciate it. Really happy to be here today and happy to, happy to share these thoughts with you. And it's uh, enjoy the conversation. Well, it was great having you on the show. Thanks so much. All right. Hey, have a great one, Steve. Thank you.
a real win for your organization may be the freelancers, the people you bring in. Who are the folks that you can surround yourself with that both effectively and impactfully do the job, but also help empower you to show up and be your best in the world? What a great win that is when other people can bring their skills to the table and they can help you out and help you make the difference in this world that you were meant to make as you live as a thriving entrepreneur. Let's take our first commercial break and we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about win leadership. I'm hoping to be able to uplevel you to a point where your leadership is always a win. It's a win for you. It's a win for the people in your life. It's a win for your staff, uh, just for the world in general. Let's win in a way that makes this world a better place. Doesn't that sound amazing? I love the thought of it. I'm so excited about this next interview because it's one where I got to just have a fun conversation with this amazing person and then help bring him to the world um, and to you specifically to help us all be the best version of ourselves. Let's jump right into it. Join me in welcoming Sahil Shandon. Hey, Sahil, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you for asking, Steve. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So first off, tell us just a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm uh, currently uh, stationed out of Dubai. Um, I have been born in Dubai and I, I grew up in New Zealand. I currently do PR uh, for many individuals going around the world. Yeah, so the kind of relationships that I've built over the time is um, with some top tier media outlets. And uh, I'm here to figure out if there's... Um, some possibilities writing some articles about yourself and uh you know getting them published onto um some well-known publications yeah so tell me a little bit about um you know the things that you do uh, in the world and what you would write about sure so i i what what i do is um you know i, I as as a person i i, I love automotive I like working on cars. I, I, I work daytime doing PR and uh, writing some interesting stories about clients that showcase their thought leadership and actually promoting them onto these uh, well-known media outlets. Um, that's by day, by night. I like to um, work on cars and actually, yeah, yeah that's, that's a little bit about myself. And um, the kind of writing that we do is mainly about, you know, your thought leadership and actually trying to help solve a problem that exists in this world. I came across your, your, your platform and I thought it was quite interesting with, um, with your website itself. And I, I was quite curious to learn a little bit more about yourself, Steve. Well, cool. So tell me, um, what are the kind of things that, uh, that I do in the world that you'd love to learn more about? Firstly, on your website itself, I, I, I've noticed that you sort of, um, you know, you, you help people have a voice and actually, um, you know, get some, get some 
books out there. Uh, I know you've mentioned something along the lines of imagining people as bestseller authors uh, and how, what would they do with their business and sort of um, become a bestseller would be quite, quite good for a lot of people. It's, it's not just a good marketing strategy, but also a lifetime goal for a lot of business owners. So uh, I, I was very, very curious to learn how you do that and, um, know how your experience has been like in that in that part of the world yeah absolutely you know i mean i did the first book that i uh, worked on and, and did the publishing for in 2007 since then there's literally been thousands of people that i've worked with i have 100 percent success rate making people bestsellers um help anywhere from concept of what should you write um to the story development end of things uh the writing the publishing uh, you know, and of course the marketing into bestseller. Um, every single one of those people is a bestseller, 100% success rate. Um, really becoming a bestseller is a system. You know, it's not really magic. It's kind of like when you're a little kid and you discover that at Christmas time, your parents are the ones putting the toys under the tree, not Santa. Um, it's kind of like that when you know what you're doing, um, but it is actually a uh, most, the really most powerful certification program you can have. It is the number one influencer credential. Yeah, that's actually really interesting because um, just like PR, I, I get that sort of um, reaction a lot of times from clients where they're like, oh, that's how it's done. So I, I, they always think that it's, it's really just the brilliance of people that gets them published. Um, but uh, yeah, I was always curious to learn about how books actually published and how a lot of these sort of influencers and people that you know I follow, how all of them bestsellers, there must be some kind of algorithm to it and there must be some way for them to make that happen. So I guess I guess it's yourself that makes that happen. And um still kind of curious how that works. How how do you get how do you get to be a bestseller? How do you get that sort of certainty of being a bestseller? Well bestseller is um, it is definitely the Amazon's algorithm. I only focus on Amazon because Amazon is the only platform that is statistically driven. Any other bestseller list around the world that I know of, um, they are more an editorialized list of who the people, you know, in their opinion are the bestsellers um, and or reflection of uh, wholesale purchases by big box retailers. Um, you know, both in the United States as well as around the globe. Amazon is literally based on the concept of, and they update hour to hour. So it's a much more volatile list as far as you could be on the bestseller list this hour and potentially not the next hour. It doesn't move quite that quickly, but potentially that could happen. Um, you know, and the thing about it is, is that it's, it looks at if a book is at number two, and a book is at number three in that hour, um, that means that the book at number two sold more copies um, than the book at number three. And Amazon's particular algorithm doesn't care whether, uh, you know, the book was zero dollars or it was a million dollars. They're not looking at how much money was made off of each individual book. They're looking at unique individuals, which they base off of an email address. So, um, you know, each sale is a reflection of a unique email address that came in and got the book. Um, and then it's updated on an hour by hour basis. So just to give you a general idea, um, there are a ton of nuances and there's a bunch of SEO that I do. About 80% of what I do is behind the scenes, um, you know, SEO work and technical things. But just to give you an idea, as far as Amazon's algorithm looks, um, you know, if a book sold as little as 10 books in an hour, that is algorithmically more than 200 in a day, which is more than 6,000 in a month, which is more than 72,000 in a year. So in other words, a book that sold 72,000 copies in a year may have never had an hour that they actually sold 10 books in one hour. Um, therefore, when you're looking at what is actually the best selling book right now, the most up-to-date statistics and you know, Amazon is eight to 36 hours behind, um, you know, in their reflection of the hour that they're reflecting. So if you were looking at Amazon right now, you'd be seeing technically the reflection of the sales from 
probably about this time yesterday. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, when they look at it, they're like, wow, you know, I mean, this book did better in that hour than, you know, a whole bunch of other books, regardless of how long or how many they've sold in the past. And there's other nuances to it, but that's the easiest one to understand. Right. That's very interesting. So there's a lot of metrics involved uh, with, with that. That's, that's, that's actually very cool. Um, yeah, I, I guess maybe I'll tell you quickly what, what we do at Pathos as well uh, with um, kind of publishing articles. A lot of times um, people like yourself, Steve, we want to be able to showcase your thought leadership by how you are trying to help uh, provide a service. So we, we, we write articles strategically about yourself and the kind of service you want to provide to people. And then we um, sort of get these articles published. And I, I see a lot of similarity with what you do, but uh, a little bit less involved with metrics because PR is really about, you know, getting, building that credibility for yourself. And I guess a lot of it does come down to publishing books where it can be, an, it can be a value add to yourself, where if you were published on places like Bloomberg, um, Forbes and so on, where, you know, that, that can be a definite sort of added value for yourself. Um, and um, yeah, we make that possible. So I'm guessing we're both in the, in the kind of business of providing the service of the other side of marketing, if that makes sense. Um, that's why I like to call it where it's the uh, other side of the coin of marketing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, um, you know, your website even says pay on results PR in the world's biggest publications. So, um, you know, you get the people in there and then uh, what results are you looking for? So just the result of, I got you listed in uh, Forbes magazine, for example, and then the person pays, or how does that system work? Yeah, it's actually a very interesting question, Steve. A lot of times, um, it's, it's a bit of a norm now, if you, if you started to notice that a lot of PR firms, um, they, they want to work with clients without having the uh, kind of assurance that they are going to get placed. Um, a lot of times you're paying for a retainer fee or a monthly charge, which might not even end up end up sort of getting you picked up somewhere. Um, so because that that's sort of been so challenging and left a lot of people burnt in the past, where they've been paying for six months um, for a retainer without even seeing a single placement, and when the time does come and they they sort of um, you know um, they're they're kind of painting the PR firm that, hey, where have I gotten placed? What have I gotten out of this? Um, they randomly just put them into some random blog or back, uh, back sort of uh, a subdomain of some publication which they, they say and they claim to be uh, valuable. But a lot of times it's not. Um, so what we find to be success is uh, using the relationships that we've built. We can make sure that we write strategic articles that can deliver a message uh, according to the requirement of client and then actually getting that article picked up. So, so pretty much doing all of the legwork first and then getting paid for it after. So we take a massive part of risk where you know, we, we stand the chance of not getting an invoice paid even after delivering that final product. And the final product being you know, getting placed onto, uh, let's say, Forbes or Wall Street Journal. Um, yeah, so that, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of risk that we're, we're willing to take to build trust with new clients. So generally speaking, and I know you need to have a more in-depth conversation, but if somebody was listening and they were like, well, I'd like to be in Forbes magazine, just as an example, what does you getting them in format Forbes magazine, what can they expect that's going to cost them? Uh, that's a good question, but the, the prices can range between 5,000 US dollars to uh, upwards of uh, twelve to thirteen thousand US dollars, depending on how particular the requirement is. Um, because we're still pitching the article to editors that we have relationships with, a lot of times uh, guaranteeing a single publication can be quite hard. Um, so it's it's typically five thousand US dollars to write a strategic article and to pitch that article and you know kind of get that picked up onto. Um, sort of places like Bloomberg and Business Insider, International Business Times, and so on. But if it was Forbes in particular, that you know, if, if a client had a request to uh, that, I definitely want to be on Forbes. That's my dream PR. And once I have that, I'm willing to pay the price for it. 
something that particular would be for the cost of 13, 12 to 13,000 US dollars. Uh, but we like to steer away from sort of paying for placements. We would rather get it organically where we are pitching the article to editors. Um, but typically, the cost for each article would be for the price of 5,000 US dollars. So let's get just a little bit of insight. I mean, obviously a person needs to work with you if they want to write a really powerful article, but what's one element that a person could do to write better articles when they're writing stuff? Um, that's, uh, that's actually a brilliant question. A lot of times uh, when we work with clients, uh, because PR can be so much of a vanity piece for a lot of people, um, it comes off to be a little bit braggy about, you know, sort of bragging rights, adding to their ego that like, this is what I've accomplished and I want the world to, the world to know that this is how good I am and the kind of money I've made. Um, but I, from a PR perspective, I, I would advise any, anyone to uh, write an article more on, on a problem-solving sort of note where, uh, you know, Every time an, an article is published about sort of creating an emotional connect with the readers, that's when it's most impactful. Um, and a lot of times if it's advertising or sort of bragging about your massive ego, the kind of money you hold in your bank account, that's not going to bring back too much attention and people are just going to scroll right over there. So as long as you have a problem that you're trying to solve and you're trying to create an emotional, emotional sort of connect with the readers, that's, that's where we've seen a lot of um, sort of impact generated from these articles. And that's what I advise for most people to do. Love it. So if somebody would like to uh, talk to you in more detail, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so we, uh, the website itself, uh, we, we've actually, uh, we've not created the website with Pathos Communications because we are quite unique. We've actually purchased the domain for payonresultspr.com. Um, so they can find us there. They can sh uh, schedule a call with either myself or one of my colleagues. And uh, yeah, we'll be more than happy to actually have a chat with anyone that's interested. And that's payonresultspr.com. Well, Sahil, I yeah. really appreciate you spending some time with us here on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Steve. It's such an amazing concept because really... The thing you bring to the world is a leadership. It is a win leadership. And it also is something that really does set you apart, makes you one of the thought leaders in this world. I know sometimes we don't think of ourselves that way, but that really is the truth of us. And as we move forward, we live and we thrive and we bring our best to the world. Let's take another quick commercial break here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about win leadership. How can you be a leader? How can you have a style of leadership that is a win, yes, for yourself, but also for the people in your company and for the people that you're meant to serve? We have one last really amazing guest, and I want to jump right into it here now with you. Join me in welcoming Faisal Faisal Hogue. Hey, Faisal, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks, Steve. 
Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. Well, um, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Uh, I'm from the tech world. Uh, I've been uh, at it for almost uh, 30 years now. I've worked with uh, some of the largest companies in the, uh, on the planet, uh, along with uh, our U.S. federal government. Uh, I'm originally from Bangladesh. Uh, I've written several books uh, on the topic of uh, entrepreneurship, innovation, mindfulness, etc. And I live in Stanford, Connecticut. Perfect. Well, so, and you're a best-selling author. Um, you know, let's just talk a little bit about this really interesting thing you have on your speaker one sheet. And you're talking about managing the revolution that's taking place rather than having revolutionary change manage us. Um, first of all, uh, do you have a specific revolution in mind or are you just talking about uh, revolutions that happen in people's lives? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, I mean, if you look at especially last uh, three to five years, I mean, we've gone through dramatic changes uh, uh, you know, across the globe uh, and every single person has been impacted by it professionally and personally. And uh, we kind of, I kind of summed it up in, in four different category of those major um, changes that has happened, uh, namely uh, the pandemic, uh, you know, the widespread misinformation, climate change, and vast, uh, you know, uh, technological changes which collectively uh, now being defined as fourth industrial, uh, 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 you know, revolution, which is combination of convergence of different technology. technology. Uh, so these four uh, things uh, are really the driver of changes and it has impacted the way we work, the way we live, uh, the way we travel, the way we interact with other people the way we seek health services, et cetera, et cetera. So, and some of them are in our control, uh, but most of them are not in our control. So the challenge is how do, you, how do you survive and thrive in the context of those kind of massive changes? Mm, such a great point. So, uh, you know, change happening around you, you have no ability to change the change. How do you thrive in a situation that's out of your control? What's the secret? I, I think the secret is there is no secret. <laughs> I mean, uh, the way, but, but I mean, on a serious note, I mean, you know, at a very rudimentary level, uh, it really, uh, since we can't predict tomorrow, you kind of have to, uh, uh, you know, you have to kind of get prepared with your skill set and constant learning and apply it with, uh, systemic execution uh, that is uh, uh, that can touch yourself, but that can also touch other people with empathy, because empathy allows you to kind of understand uh, where everybody is and where the world is, and as a result, it allows you to prepare for it. Uh, and and uh, so, no matter the what changes are coming along, you can kind of uh, execute those, you know, execute your goals personal, professional, uh, with that constant learning uh, that you're having to deal with these, uh, you know, unthinkable and unpredictable and uncontrollable change all around us. So what does a person do when they've allowed the events, especially the events of the last couple of years, to shape them rather than them having control of their own destiny? Uh, well, you know, I mean, the, the critical thing is that, you know, I mean, yes, there are fundamental skills that are applicable to everybody and anybody, uh, no matter what profession you are in, what era you're in, uh, and what, what you are doing uh, as an individual or an organization, which is basic fundamental leadership and management skill. But those leadership and management skill uh, now more than ever is grounded by, by understanding uh, other people and the surroundings. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is that um, you, know, you can't really execute anything uh, unless uh, there is a 
systemic way of thinking about it because everything is kind of connected. So for example, uh, if you want to, uh, you know, write a book, uh, you have to kind of look at uh, not just writing the book, but how you have to work with other people to get that book out there. Or if you have a product, uh, you have to figure out how your product, uh, uh, you know, kind of fits into the rest of the world and how you can take that product to the to the next level and distribute it. Those are all systemic execution. This applies even if you're a student. For example, you know, my son is 19 years old, he's in college. Uh, he has to think through how he can learn things that are not uh, that are not being taught in school because things are moving too fast and how he can prepare and then execute his goals and plan uh, that he can relate to the rest of the world. And then uh, the learning pattern is changed because you know what we used to learn when, let's say, you and I were kids uh, in college. Uh, that learning process is no longer no longer applicable. So if you look at what we have what we have learned during the pandemic, and during uh, last four or five years of all kind of changes that has happened, it's a very different learning process. So you kind of have to look at all those three things and prepare yourself and your organization and your surrounding uh, in order to tackle with whatever is coming up next. Uh, the reality is that change will happen, but preparation of the change kind of remains the same, which is really honing your skills and having the, the ecosystem around you to help you to execute uh, your personal and professional goal. So, I mean, the easiest thing for us to do is just to stay the same way we've been. Uh, you know, change is hard on all of us. What happens in this particular case, especially with all the upheaval of, of late, um, what happens if a person just digs their heels in and decides not to change? Look, I mean, there's, I'll give a very simple example. I mean, the reality is you, you become obsolete and you, you can no longer function. Uh, so you, we've seen, uh, uh, you know, I mean, let, let's, take an example of a restaurant owner, right? I mean, we all eat and we can all relate to restaurants. I mean, so, during the pandemic, some of the restaurants uh, completely went out of business, but some has absolutely thrived because of the fact that they needed to, to create food that will travel well and that, that will sustain in a, in a uh, delivery uh, model versus people going at the restaurant. And eating at the restaurant, and some of these restaurants have thrived like uh, like not, you know nothing before. But some of them has gone out of business because they're stuck with the traditional model of serving some you know a, a, you know a certain type of food, or people needed to come and eat at the restaurant. So this is just one example. So if you don't change, you become obsolete, and you become uh, you know, irre you know, irrelevant, uh, and you can't really survive. You can't forget about succeeding. Succeeding, you won't survive. Uh, so you have to kind of reinvent yourself if you want to survive, uh, let alone thrive in any kind of changing environment. What do you think is the biggest thing that people? don't want to let go of right now because it's just been that way for so long? I think, you know, change is hard for everybody because, you know, people, it, it's easier to kind of uh, keep everything status quo and do the things you have been doing uh, uh, and, and kind of go along with it, right? And, and so we've seen, you know, people uh, got stuck at home and didn't want to go anywhere. And then we got used to, working at home and now we are kind of digging the heel that well, we don't want to go back to work because we got used to working from home as an example, right? The reality is that it's never, uh, nothing is uh, absolute, you know, it's, it's, there is always gray and, and most, for most people to be adaptive uh, and, and living in the gray is very difficult. Uh, most people are black and white, but, you know, human beings are, are, are very much habitual, uh, in, you know, they, they, we get used to whatever and, 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 and we, we kind of adapt to it or, 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 and, and, and we are adaptable. So the good news is that if we, if we know how to adapt, we can actually reinvent ourselves. But, um, but it's hard. It, it's, once you get used to something, 
it's kind of hard to hard to uh, get out of that mold and do something that's different than what you've gotten used to. But people who does get out of the mold and become very adaptive, uh, they actually thrive very well and do very well. Uh, so the, the, the challenge is, um, you know, do you want to be one of those uh, people that just stay status quo and, and uh, be, a, be a leader uh, uh, and, and drive the change? Or do you just die uh, in, the, in the tsunami of the way that, you know, the change wave that's happening all around us and never be able to reinvent yourself? And all of these are the kind of things that you talk about in your book, Lift. Yes. Um, is that correct? That's ex ex exactly right, uh, Siva. And I, I kind of didn't, you know, when it, the Lift is kind of happening in a, uh, uh, you know, organic way. I wasn't really thinking of writing another book. I, I wrote my last book uh, six, seven years ago, which is called Everything Connects. And I kind of gotten busy working, uh, uh, especially in our private sector, working with our government here in the US and, and then, uh, then you know, all this stuff happened and it kind of uh, triggered me to write this because it, it was kind of observation from my own uh, uh, situation, how, I'm, how, how I was working and how my mindset had changed and, and the geopolitical shift and, and uh, all the stuff that I've been kind of observing in private sector and public sector, meaning our government and business sector. Uh, and that kind of triggered me to write it. And, and it's a uh, very personal and professional at the same time. I love it. Well, and the book is available on Amazon and all the places you can get books. Uh, that's correct. It's uh, available everywhere. It's available in, uh, in the form of ebook and hardcover and, and audiobook. And there is also, uh, we did some documentary style uh, coursework. And by the way, all the proceeds of this book goes for charity. So uh, I've got two charity organizations that I, I'm supporting. One is Cancer Research. Other one is the World Food Kitchen, who, you know, who provides food for anybody who needs food across the globe. Uh, so so I'm, I'm happy to do this uh, uh, because we, I find this very impactful and meaningful. Mm, I love it. So um, for the people that are listening, Give us a little bit of insight. Give us something that we could take action on right now to really begin to bring out the leader in ourselves amidst all of this change. I would say the first and foremost is, is changing your learning pattern uh, and have an open mind and beginner's mind where you, you look at things from a new perspective versus whatever uh, the way you have, have looked at things. So it doesn't matter whether you're a writer, entrepreneur, a technologist, a government uh, employee, or, or, or a, a business executive. Look at things from a different perspective. That's number one. Uh, number two, which is actually very difficult for most of us to do, is consciously practice empathy because uh, we, have to, we have to put ourselves... Uh, we, you know, we can't really feel other people's situation, but we can kind of try to uh, look at things from other people's perspective because when we do that, then it allows us to be better leader and better human being. And, and given all the things that are happening across the globe, uh, it's very critical that we, we, we uh, uh, lead from empathy, uh, uh, which is personal and, and uh, from, a, from a broader scale. Uh, and the third thing is that nothing happens if we cannot put a system in place. By system, I don't mean a software. I mean that a, a repeatable process uh, that, that allows us to do something. Uh, so, so that requires conscious thinking of connecting the dot between uh, what is it that you have as aspiration and how you can you know, uh, make that happen in reality. So those are the three things that you can do right now to, to, to take yourself uh, to a roadmap for a uh, next level of whatever that you're doing. And this, this thing that I did, the three things that I just talked about, it doesn't matter what, what is your station in life. It could, you could be a student, you could be a, uh, a solo entrepreneur, you could be a professional at, at a job, at a, at, a, at, a, at a company, you could be a government leader, it could, you could be a chef, you could be an engineer, or you could be a, a artist. 
all those three things applies. Mm, I love it. So if somebody wanted to go deeper with you, um, is there a way that they can get in contact with you? Ah, sure, you can, you can go to my website, which is FaisalHawk.com, uh, or you can search me on the internet. Uh, but I mean, you know, one of the things I try to do is, is make this, these, uh, my own learning very accessible uh, through writing, through, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, digital courses and, and through apps uh, that anybody can app, uh, access, access to. And most of these things are free. Uh, so you can access it anywhere uh, on the internet. Well, Faisal, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Appreciate it. I love that phrase about managing the revolution as opposed to allowing the revolution to manage you. You know, there's so many things going on in our world, especially today. I mean, I think it was probably always that way, but it just kind of feels like recently we're going through some extreme massive changes. And there's a lot of times when all of these outside sources can really feel like they were trying to define you rather than you defining what your world is and how you're gonna show up, how you're gonna be the best version of yourself in the middle of all the things that you can't control. I love the phrase that Sid Bauman taught me. He said, control what you can and don't worry about what you can't control. It's been so impactful in my life because so often we emphasize our time and our attention on all the things that we have absolutely no control over and we let slide all the things that we could impact, that we do, that makes a difference in the world and we get so caught up in the exhaustion, if you will, of trying to control everything. Um, I think of my little dog, Mocha, you know, because I think about her all the time. And there are times when she gets really stressed out because she wants to control her whole environment. And it can become exhausting to the point where she'll just flop down in exhaustion and fall asleep because a lot of times there are things in this world she just can't control. People walking down the street and loud noises outside or the thunder and lightning storm that she barked at the other night was so cute. I scooped her up and brought her into the bed with me because she was so scared and she didn't understand and she couldn't control it. And I think a lot of times that's the way our life is, is we just get scared and we try to control it rather than realizing there are some things we can't control, but we can really show up as the best version of ourselves in everything that we do. And we can create that win uh, that win in our lives, that win in the lives of the people we work for and the people that we work with. And in doing that, we really can show up in this world while it's called today as a thriving entrepreneur, making the difference that you, the uniquely brilliant person that you are, created for a purpose because the world does need you, that you can show up be that person, and live every day and thrive. Thanks so much for joining me here today. I hope until we're together again next time, you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission stand out with your brand out <laughs> check this out guys yep everything's marketing and marketing is everything your existing book can become a best-selling book or even hey like mine a number one international best-selling book in five days listen if your business isn't known by everybody it's obscurity and that's death right the same thing is true for your book if you're not happy with the way your book is performing you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling Go to yourbestsellertoday.com, schedule a talk with Steve,
believe. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You